Hello and welcome to episode 191 of AvTalk. I am Ian Pachnik here, as always, with Jason Rabinowitz. And how are you in? Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving to you, Jason. I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I've heard tell that you're a little under the weather, so I hope you're on the upswing. Yeah, I don't sound quite as bad as you did the last couple of weeks, but uh, <laughs> I, I don't feel so great. But we're going to power through this episode, and this special episode. Actually. This is a special episode because this is the first episode that we have real players playing our AvTalk trivia game. Kira and Ganning will be on the show later to uh, to play the game, and I hope everyone enjoys it, and, and we'll keep doing it. Thanks to everyone who has reached out and said, "Yeah, I want to play the game." There, there's been quite a bit of you. So we're going to figure out the the best way to to make sure everybody can play because I want this to be a fun thing for for everybody. So so we'll we'll start off with this week a bit later in the show. As Jason mentioned, it is Thanksgiving week. We're recording on Wednesday the 23rd of November. The podcast will come out on Friday the 25th. So we'll just skip over Thanksgiving and say that everyone had a great one. But I will also say that everything knock on wood seems to be going okay in the national airspace system so far. Yeah, at least here, you know, where it's relevant right now in the US because it's only a holiday week here, I assume. Right, right. It could not be better. There is no significant weather anywhere in the country. I haven't even seen a, a blip of air traffic control delays or anything. Everything is running as it should. So good job, everyone. Take a break at some point. It's well-deserved. Not probably going to be the same story later this week because Sunday, which is actually the busiest travel day, I believe, when everyone tries to go home at the same time, weather not looking so great for that particular day. So we might have used all our luck today, but we'll take it where we can get it. Yeah, it's been a a, a beautiful week after the weather's been mostly quiet everywhere except for Buffalo, which got, I think, 19,000 feet of snow over the the past couple of days. But not at the airport. I I saw some, some People were plane spotting at the airport, and I was like, oh, that doesn't seem like that much snow. No, that's the the beauty of lake effect snow. Two miles to the south, they've got infinite number of snow. But up at the airport, uh, Delta never stopped flying. But everywhere else, uh, things have been going well. So yesterday, the 22nd of November, there were 49,019 scheduled flights in the United States. Jason, how many of those do you think were canceled yesterday? 62. A few more than that. 219 flights uh, in total were canceled out of 49,000. So that's fantastic. And today that number is even less. Uh, 168 flights so far have been canceled out of 49,124. So not bad, not bad at all. Yeah, I think I even saw United touting that they went the whole day without a single mainline or regional cancellation, which is seriously impressive stuff. Yeah, they they did uh, a very nice job yesterday. Is United the new Delta? Wow. Uh, I've been saying that for about a year now, but I think so. I think so. So yeah, Thanksgiving is underway, the, the busy travel season, especially this week and then throughout the rest of the year. So uh, here's hoping things go just as smoothly for the rest of the days and we're not back next week going, what happened over the weekend? But we do turn to a story where we can say what happened. Last Friday afternoon in Lima, Peru, a LATAM Peru flight was attempting to depart the airport. Flight 2213 was trying to depart Lima. When about a third of the way through its departure at roll, 
it struck an aircraft rescue and firefighting rig that had driven on to the runway. Very sadly, two of the three firefighters who were in the the rescue rig were killed. The third, I believe, is still in the hospital. We haven't really seen an update on on his condition yet. We're still looking out for that. But no one on board the aircraft was seriously injured. Everyone was able to make it off. Photos and videos from the scene are just, I think, some of the most bizarre it's the most bizarre incident i have ever seen the when you first saw it was very unclear what had happened and then multiple camera angles showed exactly what happened and and it was just almost unbelievable like it it was just A, a lot of video from many different angles came out very quickly all on Twitter. Ironically, it was the same day everyone was tweeting their goodbyes on Twitter, thinking it was going to disappear overnight. And then like one of those defining events occurs that everyone tweets about and all these different camera angles come out. And every video we got subsequently gave us a better and better idea of what happened. And it was just every video we saw, we just kept saying, this doesn't make any sense. What just happened? And it also becomes clear looking at the the video and some of the the photos from inside the aircraft that shows the the fuel spill igniting on the wing and the aircraft's wing on fire as it slides down the runway to a stop it becomes clear that the aircraft the hit the rig on the right side and it ripped off the aircraft's right engine and collapsed the the right main landing gear and looking at the photos it becomes extremely clear that a few feet to the inside of the aircraft, we would be having a much, much different conversation about how many people were killed and, and what happened. Did we give the, the stats of the aircraft? If not, I don't think we did. No, no. Latam uh, Peru Flight that, yeah. 2213, just a five-year-old Airbus A320neo, registration CCBHB. So this was a, a relatively new aircraft. And if this is, is indeed I believe it is the first hull loss incident of an A320neo series yeah. aircraft. I'd imagine this aircraft likely will be scrapped, but we've seen some strange recoveries in the past. And yeah, to your point, Ian, about an inch to the left, an inch to the right, a millimeter here, this would be a very different story. As this aircraft is very, very nearly at the speed of rotation and any matter of seconds difference if the fire truck had entered the runway, maybe the the farther down taxiway, it could have been an incident where it collided with the aircraft, but the aircraft still had to rotate and take to the air and physically missing an engine and landing gear and, and all the other issues associated with that impact. This could have been an absolutely catastrophic issue, or in this case, you know, it lost the engine, landing gear, and it just kind of almost gracefully skidded to a stop at the end of the runway, thankfully. And I know we talked about this recently where usually there's some number of injuries during the evacuation. It it seems like not even that happened at this point. It was quite miraculous that unfortunately two firefighters were were killed, but nobody on the aircraft was so much as injured as far as we could tell. Yeah, the the impact was I mean, the trucks are they're heavy, both by design to be heavy, and then you fill them with a lot of water and, and and firefighting agent like a, a foam or something like that those are heavy heavy trucks and and I was kind of surprised by 
by the fact, and, and I, I guess this makes sense because it hit the engine. The engines are designed, if there's an impact to the engine, they're designed to come off. Yeah. I don't know if it's if it's an impact to the engine, I guess, or, or if there are certain G-load stresses on the aircraft. It's probably either way, but I don't think anyone at Airbus or Boeing or Bombardier ever ran a simulation on what happens if a fire truck drives into the engine of the aircraft while it's speeding down the runway at 127 knots. Like that simulation has probably never been run. So I'm assuming this incident will be uh, studied quite a bit moving forward. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm sure. It's just some data that you'd never think to obtain yeah, before yeah, something like this yeah. actually happens in the real world. But everything, I guess, aircraft wise worked as expected and yeah there was a fire but I, I don't think that's avoidable given what actually happened no so the kind of precipitating event for what happened is the the lima airport's been under a massive amount of construction for for a few years now as they build a new runway a new control tower and, and expand the airport and what was happening at the time was an exercise by the by the firefighting crews to prove that they can get from their emergency base to anywhere on the airfield in less than 3 minutes and so they were moving at full speed and entering the runway area the airport authority has put out some information about the about the incident, say, and I'm going to quote it here, uh, and then we can kind of talk about what what's happening. This is from, let's see, the, the 20th of November from the, the Lima Airport Authority. Quote, it is important to recall that this operation was previously coordinated between the airport operator and the air traffic authority, meaning the, the air traffic controllers, as on previous occasions. In this case, Coordination started on November 17th, and CORPAC, which is the, um, the Air Traffic Authority, proposed to carry out the exercise between 1,500 and 1,600 hours the following day. On November 18th, during the morning and until the beginning of the exercise, the firefighting team made all the necessary arrangements to execute the maneuver. The control tower confirmed the start time of 1510, it being the time fixed for the beginning of the maneuver, and the impact with the time aircraft occurred at 1511. So... What the airport is saying is that this was previously coordinated, and, and that very well may be true, but what they're not saying, what they haven't said, is if these aircraft rescue firefighting rigs had air traffic control permission to enter the active runway area. And this is where I'm leaning on the good folks who listen to this podcast and who may know more about this than I do. It is my understanding that nothing, not nothing, enters a runway unless it is specifically and exactly cleared to enter the runway by air traffic control. Not, we talked about this, so we're going to do it. Not, we scheduled this, so we're going to do it. But you ask and they either say enter or they say don't enter. That is my understanding. And, And I could be wrong here. And so hopefully if somebody has more, if air traffic controllers are listening, or if you're an airport firefighter and you're listening, or if you're just someone who works anywhere in in the field, please correct me if I'm wrong, but that's my understanding. Yep. Same as me. As I've ever known in the past, nothing enters the active runway unless I get explicit permission from ATC 
at that moment. I guess it could have been that when the ARFF trucks were, were dispatched out of their, their base, maybe they were given a set of instructions and permission to enter the active runway. And then there was some miscommunication where the aircraft was given permission to take off when it shouldn't have been, but nothing enters the runway without explicit permission from air traffic control to do so. If we're wrong about that, and I don't think we are, feel free to reach out and tell us such. But what the airport really did not say was who had permission to be on the runway at that moment, since, of course, there can only be one thing happening at a time. Either the aircraft is taking off or the firefighting trucks are crossing the runway. And there seems to be some miscommunication or or missing information about who exactly was supposed to be there. What we do know at this point, and what thankfully has been corrected at this point, was that the uh, Peruvian authorities actually arrested the flight crew after the the crash, which is wholly ridiculous that that is a thing that would happen. It takes um, having a criminal spin to an air crash investigation to a whole new level that they would just arrest the the flight crew after such a traumatic incident like that, where probably the flight crew is not even the ones that did anything wrong. Really kind of outrageous behavior. Thankfully, they had been released, but I'm really disappointed that that would have been allowed to happen in the first place. Yeah, I mean, generally, unless there's clear criminality, these in, these are safety investigations. The whole point of an, an incident investigation, an accident investigation by aviation safety authorities is to ensure it doesn't happen again. Find out what happened and fix whatever happened, fix whatever led to this happening so it never happens again. This is, yeah, not not great. But as Jason said, they they thankfully have have been after being detained they've not been released but this is certainly an investigation that we'll be closely following to understand a little bit more about what happened and why it happened and again so that it never happens again but just a, a truly maddening set of circumstances at this point Jason you brought this to my attention I I had missed this missed this particular bit of information published earlier today, but A220 operators are being instructed to I mean, basically ensure that they press the right button so the plane does what it's supposed to do? Yeah, that's kind of the gist of it. Uh, so okay. This, Fill <laughs> this, me in. This article comes from Flight Global, published today, actually. US regulators have disclosed two nearly catastrophic events that were among 38 takeoff incidents involving inadvertent A220 autopilot engagements, and they're taking additional action to prevent their reoccurrence. What happened basically is that on the, used to be the Bombardier C-Series, now the Airbus A220, the autopilot and auto throttle buttons are in the center of the control panel right in front of the pilots, and the two buttons are basically right on top of each other. And there's been apparently 38 incidents where the auto throttle was disconnected and the pilots go to hit the auto throttle button to re-engage auto throttle and accidentally they press auto pilot instead. And in that case, what happens there is that autopilot's going to do whatever it is set to do. And that could be either it rotates the aircraft below the rotation speed, or if you're on approach, it makes a turn that unexpected or climbs to an altitude not expected. Just really not great behavior. The article goes on to specify that aircraft aren't actually supposed to be on autopilot below 400 feet. So this is definitely something that's not an expected action flying the aircraft. And there's no real no real changes coming to the aircraft, but basically the FAA would like operators of the aircraft to put this in their flight manuals, I guess, or, or their training materials to uh, press the right button 
always good to press the right button. Yes. Maybe in the future, Airbus will, will take that back. And maybe on the upcoming A22500, which may or may not ever happen, Ooh. they will place the autopilot and auto throttle buttons a little farther away from each other. So when Russia invaded Ukraine and the aviation, one of the aviation, one of the things that happened in aviation was that airlines in Russia began basically keeping aircraft that they did not own. We predicted that there would be a long and messy shakeout between lessors that had lost their aircraft to Russian airlines and the insurance companies that would be on the hook and then try and not to be on the hook for these for these planes. And they are not It would be a long process. <laughs> and, and that's exactly what's happened. Certain lessors have sued certain insurance companies. At the moment, the 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 total is sixty five billion in this particular lawsuit. More than four. That's a lot of money. Yeah, that's a lot of money and and a lot of planes. So more than four hundred aircraft. This is according to Reuters the figures. Four hundred leased aircraft worth around ten billion are unable to leave Russia after sanctions by. European Union and others. The lessers are saying that they're covered by policies that include wartime insurance or someone stole our planes. And the insurers are are arguing the planes aren't physically damaged, and so they might get them back, so we are not paying. Man, that's a, that's a hell of a plane, a very insurance company angle to take. So on the one hand, you have billions and billions of dollars on the table from these leasing companies, and then obviously the insurance companies are going to want to pay as little to nothing as possible. But taking the stance that these aircraft are undamaged, don't know that, and they might yet be returned, really unlikely at this point. That's a really interesting angle to take, and I'm, I, I would love to see how this plays out in court where it inevitably will well, probably end up unless it goes to arbitration or something like that, and we'll never see the details. But I would argue that even if the aircraft are undamaged, which they're probably not at this point, even if they are returned in the future, it's going to be very difficult for any leasing company to place these 400 aircraft with an airline outside of Russia since this industry is built on paperwork and regulations and tracking parts and maintenance, none of which is probably happening all that accurately with these aircraft that were re-registered in Russia since there's embargoes and they can't get the parts, they can't even get the software to update and keep these aircraft running properly. I can't imagine there's a market for these aircraft anywhere outside of Russia. So I'd have to imagine the insurance company's argument here is really, really grasping at straws to to come up with any legitimate defense. Yeah, I I, I mean I get the legal maneuvering. They don't want to pay billions of dollars. What I mean, who does? does. I, I don't. But it'll be interesting to see how, how much water that argument carries. Yeah. And I'm assuming when they took out these insurance policies, nobody really thought that 400 airplanes would just be stolen all at once. Right. It's right. just not a thing that anyone ever considered would be a possibility. But here we are. Here we are. A couple quick notes before we move on to our aviation trivia game. One, there's a Beluga XL stuck in the mud somewhere in France. So if anyone has a big enough tow truck, please help. Did they get it out of the mud? Is it still stuck there? I, I, I don't know. I, I, I think it's out of the mud. It's still at the airport. and, and It's still all, at the airport. For all we know, it was this uh, the Beluga XL's 
maybe first ever visit at this particular airport on its way uh, up to Toulouse, I think. BYF, I had never even heard of this airport, but apparently in the past has been served by the Beluga, the regular Beluga, not the XL. So if this was indeed the Beluga XL's first visit to this particular Airbus manufacturing facility, that's one heck of an entrance. <laughs> yeah, we'll, uh, we'll put that an- the answer to that question in the show notes. And then finally, before we get to the game, the Swiss shipping concern MSC has dropped out of the Lufthansa Group's bid for ETA Airways. So who knows what that's going to do, but there's still hope for Pechmo Air. Ah, any day now. Any day now. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we are going to play our first real human being, Jason Excluded. I was going to say, come on. Aviation trivia game. And I I think it's going to be fun. So uh, stay with us. We'll be right back. Welcome back. It is now time for the inaugural version of the AvTalk trivia game, or, or the inaugural real version. If you listened to last week's episode, I surprised Jason with a little AvTalk trivia game, and he did pretty well, Thank you. considering that Thank you. Uh, that I thoroughly surprised him with what was about to to befall him. Yeah, that was, that was a good beta test, and now we've got the real was, shipping product ready to go. <laughs> Mostly ready to go, but but uh, Ganning and Kira are here to to join us for the the first real version, and, and they have agreed to be, I guess, guinea pig versions 2.0. So getting in care, thank you so much for uh, for coming on the show. Yeah, thanks for having us. Thanks so much. So before we get to the game, and, and, and I'll explain all those rules, the thing we do with most of our guests is ask them when we talk about their jobs, what their favorite part of their jobs are. And when we talk generally with them, we always ask them about their favorite aircraft or airport. So I'll let you both choose which you which one you want to answer, but but I will put the question to you. Oh, okay. Kara, you want to go first? Yeah, I think it's probably recency bias because I had, in a shocking turn of event, an actually nice layover in JFK about three weeks ago. Wow. So okay, that's a rare answer. My my previous JFK layover involved a 35-minute window to get from T4 to T2. I made it. My bags did not. So this time I had like six hours to chill. It was much better. So I'm going to go with JFK for some crazy, crazy reason. Wow, unexpected right. answer. Beat that, Ganning. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, I mean, my home airport is RDU, so I have to say that's my favorite. They have a dedicated observation deck, which I've been there so much like when I was little, but it hasn't been as much recently. I don't really have a crazy story about RDU. It's just my home airport, which is my favorite. I mean, I, I you had me an observation yep, deck. Th- there's really I mean, no I mean, better really, answer than that. You can't beat that. So here's how the game is going to work moving forward. So we, we've modified it a little bit because we, we have two players playing against each other. And we're going to play three mini games. And then the winner of the the overall winner of those games will come back on a later episode after we've played a bunch and, and play for some bigger prizes. So anyone that plays in any episode going to get a keychain. Anybody who wins in a particular episode going to get a t-shirt and um, and maybe we'll have some some special stuff thrown in. So the the way the three mini games are going to work is the winner of each mini game is going to get a point and then whoever has the most points wins. We're not going to reinvent that particular wheel. The 
the games are the first game is going to be airport codes like we played last week the second game is going to be airline ico call sign prefixes and then the third game is going to be a little bit more open ended with some general aviation history and and trivia that i hope is fun for everyone and if it's not I apologize. We'll keep working on it until we will get this right and it will be fun for everyone. So, Ganning and Kira, are you ready? I am ready. I'm ready. Okay. So, we flipped a coin before we hit record. And so, Ganning's going to start. Ganning's going to get the, uh, the first question. And this is the three letter airport IATA code. And you give me the city name that the airport serves. And the first one is PRG. Oh, PRG. I'm not going to lie. I don't know. <laughs> okay. So I, I have hints for all of these. So I'll give you one okay. hint. And then if you still don't get it, Kira, you can steal. So, so Ganning, you should really check out this airport. I should really check out. Okay. I feel like it's going to be something with the Czech Republic. I just said that. Give you three more seconds. Oh, can I have another hint? Or no, you cannot. <laughs> Kira, okay. Can you steal I it? Steal. I can't steal it because I've PRG. Actually, I've actually flown through here twice. It's Prague. Hey. Okay. All right. Get it. Kira is sticking with you. CPH. Copenhagen. Yes. Nicely done. Suddenly living in Europe is working to my advantage. I'm, this is the first time it's <laughs> happened in a while. <laughs> Ganning, back to you. TFS. Oh, oh, I know this. Tenerife. Which one? Uh, south. TFS. South. That's right. Well done. Uh, Kira, C-U-N. Cancun? Very good. Okay, that was a guess. I'm happy. <laughs> <laughs> Ganning, F-L-L. Um, this one's Fort Lauderdale, I think. Very good. Kira, F-A-I. Oh, can I have a hint? It's fair to say that this airport sees a lot of snow. Fairbanks? Yes. Very good. Dug deep to get that one. The clue gave it to me. Ganning. <laughs> the, hope, the the clues are hopefully uh, giveaways. I, I, I hope. Getting GMP. Oh, um, can I get a hint for this one? This airport is the second airport that serves the city. So it's the secondary airport that serves the city, serving mostly domestic flights. It is one half of the busiest domestic route in the world. Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know this one. <laughs> Kira, can you steal for oh, for the 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 game? I know one of the airports on the route, and I know where it is, and I can't. Is it? I'm probably gonna. But is it Gimpo? Gimpo? So give us the city. Seoul. Yes, you got it. And just for our sake, what was the other city? What's the other half of the world's busiest domestic route? Oh, I can't remember the other half. You're lucky. I got the Seoul part. <laughs> <laughs> Jason, what is it? Jeju Island. There you go. Where are we? We're on... Back to Kira. KTM. Can I have a hint? This airport is the the major airport that you would fly into from anywhere else in the world if you were going to climb Mount Everest. Yeah, Kathmandu. Yes. Kathmandu. Ganning, 
DSS. Can I have a hint? You could rally to this airport from Paris. Um, I'm going to say I don't know on this one either. (laughs) Uh, I'll give you another hint. It's also the last airport you see flying south from Europe to South America. The thing is, I don't know many European airports. I know more in the U.S., so... Kira, you want to steal? I have no idea whatsoever. Jason? Well, uh, fortunately, I have the answer sheet in front of me, and it is you, you Dakar, Senegal. That's a tricky one. Even the hint there, uh, yep. the rally. That, that you have tricky. to have some deep knowledge that there's a, rally, a vehicle rally between Barris and Dakar to get that one. They get harder as we go, I think. And then, let's see. Uh, Kira, back to you for the last one. T-U-N. Tunis? Yes. Tunis. There it is. So Kira is ahead one to nothing with the uh, first airport airport code trivia game done. We move on to airlines. We will give you the ICAO call sign prefix, the, the three-letter one, not the radio call sign. So for instance, if I said ANA, you would say All Nippon Airways. Or if I said AAL, you would say American Airlines. Let's see. Ganning, you went first in the first game. So, Kira, it is your turn to go first. <laughs> this one might be easy. E-I-N. <laughs> yeah, slightly easy for me. It's Aer Lingus. All right. We'd have to disqualify okay. you if you got that one wrong. So I'm happy we don't have to go through <laughs> yeah. that. If I got that one wrong, I'd have to hand my passport back, I think. You'd only be able to fly uh, Ryanair after that. Please don't do that to me. Please don't do that to me. <laughs> Ganning, R-O-U. R-O-U. Uh, Air Canada. Oh, I don't, I don't know how to say this last word. Is it Rogue? Rouge? Rouge. Rouge. Very good. Yeah. I'll accept Rogue, though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They, they have gone wrong. Uh, let's see. Uh, Kira, K-O-R. Uh, Korean Airlines? No. Mm, I'm sorry. Ganning, you want to steal that one? Okay. I would have guessed Korean as well. I don't know it. Partial, partial, but no credit. It's Air Koryo, the North oh, Korean God. airline. <laughs> and there is a big distinction between those two airlines. <laughs> Let's see. Ganning. A-S-A. Oh, I think this is Alaska Airlines. You are correct. Correct. Kira, C-M-P. I don't know. Would you like the hint? Yeah, what's the hint? This airline's livery bears a strikingly close resemblance to another airline on the same side of the globe. Is it that? Oh, I'm going to butcher it. Is it that La Compagnie, the like fancy French one? Unfortunately, it is not. not. It is Copa. Copa ah. Airlines has a strikingly similar, if not a, a knockoff tale of United <laughs> or Continental. I guess it would really be Continental. Huh? Yeah, the, the Continental, the, the, the globe. They That's both an have, argument uh, we're not going to have on this podcast. Again, right <laughs> ENT. Uh, can I have a hint for this one? Just finish the word. ENT. I want to say enter air. You very correct. Wow. (laughs) I even couldn't get that one after the hint. Kira, VLG. Viewling? Yep. 
Gannick. T-H-Y. Oh, I don't know this one. <laughs> Can I get a hit as well? This airline, you should expect to be delighted. Delighted. This is pulling on your culinary knowledge. I have no clue. <laughs> T-H-Y. I don't know this one. Kira? Purely from my... Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe Knowledge is a Turkish? It is. It's Turkish. Well done. We are we are tied moving into the back half of the airline codes. Uh, Kira, back to you, or staying with you, F-P-Y. Oh, can I get a hint? Wow. This airline looks suspiciously and acts suspiciously like another airline that came before it. Um... Norse? Ooh, good guess. Not, not good, good that, thinking, but not guess. Norse. It's play airlines <laughs> coming up from the ashes, I guess, of uh, WOW airlines in Iceland. Of WOW. Oh, I should have gotten it from the WOW. Oh, wow. Ganning, NCA. Can I get a hint for this one? The call sign is an acronym. It's an acronym. Okay. I don't know this. Cure for the steel? I have no idea. This one is Nippon Cargo Airlines. Oh. That one was for the win, right? I think we need the, the tiebreaker. So we need the tiebreaker. Right. We go to the tiebreaker. Okay, so for the tiebreaker, whoever answers first gets the point. Okay. Okay. Ready? K Q A. Kuwait? Not Kuwait. Ganning for the win? I want to say Kenya, but I don't know. Wow, you got Kenya it. Kenya is correct. Oh, okay. Well done. Didn't even know it, but you were right. It was barely well done. That it started with a K. <laughs> <laughs> Nicely that, done. That, so that, sometimes that's, that's all for, you need. That's why I went for Kuwait, so I got us. Like, yeah, well, that's, well, that, that, that ties it up going into the, uh, the back half of the... So it's it's one one with the the third game to go. So we, what we have now is it's a combination of of aviation knowledge and a little bit of geography. So listen carefully to the questions because there is a hint in the question that leads you to each answer. And Jason, do you want to do want to go ahead and, and go with the first one? Yeah, I'll, I'll help out a little bit here. Are we all, all ready right. to go? Yep. Yeah, I'm ready. Or who are we going to first, Ian? Let's see. We're tied. Hold on. We, we, we don't know. We'll do another coin flip. We're tied. We, we'll we need to flip. flip a coin. Ganning is going to go first. All right. Ganning, <laughs> here we go. Uh, first question. If I were to fly from CDG to EZE, on which airline could I fly nonstop? Oh, um, <laughs> do I get a hint for this one as well, or are there no hints? The, the hint is in oh, the, the question. The hint is in the question. Okay. CDG to EZE, who could I fly nonstop? CDG is Paris. EZE, I don't know. <laughs> so um, I'm not really sure. Three seconds. Two, one. Kira, for the steal. CDG to EZE, who could I'm you fly nonstop? I'm going to go for the super obvious. Is it Air France? 
It is. It is Air France. The only airline, I believe, flying from Paris to Buenos Aires nonstop. All mm-hmm. right. Second question. This is keeping on with you, Kiara. If you flew on the longest passenger flight operated by a four-engine aircraft, over which ocean would you fly? Oh. Longest passenger flight operated by a four-engine aircraft, which ocean would you fly over? I'm going to say the Atlantic. No, unfortunately, it is not the Atlantic. Good guess, though. Uh, Ganning, you want to steal this one? I want to say Arctic. I don't know. Unfortunately not. Do we give this one away, Ian, or should we reuse it next time? I think, I think we... <laughs> Actually, you know what? If you're listening to this show, write in podcast at fr24.com with the correct answer to, if you flew on the longest passenger flight operated by a four-engine aircraft, over which ocean would you fly? All right. So we'll save uh, that right one. in with your answers. We'll tell the two of you when we're, when we're done recording. We don't want to leave you hanging. Third <laughs> question, and this is back to uh, Ganning, I believe, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Most airports around the world are busiest during the summer, but these two U.S. airports also see large increases in flight operations in late November and December. Give us the airports or cities. Okay. This is going to be a wild guess. Atlanta and Los Angeles? No. I'm not going to say which may or may not be wrong or both. But Kira, can you steal? I'm going to say New York and LA. No, unfortunately not. Ian, do we want to save this one too? No, I think we can give this one away. All right, we'll give this away. Memphis and Louisville, both the uh, super hubs oh. for freight shippers, UPS, and FedEx. Oh. Yeah, that makes sense when you think about it, but probably not going to come to the top of the mind when you uh, hear that question. You said late November, and my mind immediately went to Thanksgiving travel. That's yeah. How I mm. yeah, I guess that does make sense for this week, doesn't it? I, 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 was, I, I had moved past the Thanksgiving and moved on to Black Friday. Almost there. Almost there. Next. With, yeah, we're almost next, there with, with oh, the question. Let's see if we can get one of these out. Uh, SAS recently celebrated the 70th anniversary. This is for, for Kira, by the Kira. way. Kira. Thank you. SAS recently celebrated the 70th anniversary of this aviation first. What was it? Oh. Was it? This is a completely wild guess. Was it the first polar flight? I don't even know because it Ian didn't was. put the answer in here, but that sounds like no, it we, would because be correct. I just assumed, and it is. Yes, that is that is correct. <laughs> Good guess. That was purely on the fact that they're Scandinavian airlines. <laughs> there you go. Well, with that, at the last question, Kira comes in with the win, two games to one. She comes out on top and earns the keychain and T-shirt on this very first AvTalk Aviation Trivia game. I want to thank you all so much for playing. Everyone who wrote in saying that they wanted to play, thank you so much. We will get to to all of you. And Ganning and, and Kira, I want to thank you both for being great sports uh, and, and coming on the program. I, I thank you so much. Yeah, thank you both so much. That was so much fun. Thank you. Yeah, it was really fun. Welcome back. I thought that went surprisingly well. We made through it. Yeah. We're going to take back what we learned today and tighten things up a little bit, maybe add in some sound effects if we ever figure out how to do that. And uh, I think this is going to be a a reoccurring segment. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. I think it'll be fun. Again, if you want to play, email us at podcast at fr24.com. And if you know the answer to the question that no one got on this week's episode, email us podcast at fr24.com with your answer, and we'll uh, choose one of the correct answers from those emails for a special prize. So lots of prizes going out the door on this week's podcast. I'm I'm, I'm in a thankful and giving mood, so we're going with that. Before we end the show today, we're going to talk about something that Jason's been on about, which is the World Cup, and we're going to put an aviation angle on it because there's always an aviation angle. Always. So we've talked about the some of the more interesting flights happening because of the World Cup in Qatar and the KLM kind of triangle route being chief among them, and we got the answer why. And we expand that lack of hotel and parking space to other airlines, and they're now operating flights between Dubai and and Doha as well. So Jason, I'll let you, you take it from there, and I'll become the numbers guy. All right. Well, ordinarily at uh, Dubai's other airport, Dubai World Central, I think there's a usually uh, zero passenger flights per day. Maybe there's one or two on some random days, but typically the average hovers around zero passenger flights. Not exactly the global hub they envisioned yet at this point. But because of the uh, lack of hotel space and I guess other things to do in Qatar, Qatar Airways and Fly Dubai are running basically shuttle buses at this point between DWC and both of Doha's airports. So uh, Qatar is flying to Doha's current airport and Fly Dubai is flying to the old Doha airport now named DIA. So the old base that I think is now primarily used by private aviation and also the uh, military actually there, which is interesting. But I I knew there were going to be some flights between the two and there are far more than I anticipated and far more than is actually in the schedule since it looks like any flight that Qatar had planned to operate, they're operating multiple segments 10 minutes apart because there's, I guess, demand for these flights is is really high. So the other day there was a Qatar flight at 5.40 a.m. and then 6.40 and then 6.50 and then 7.35 and then 7.40. So these are not all in the schedule, but these are added segments basically. And these are not small aircraft. These are 777-300ERs and, and mostly A330-300s, which are large aircraft. I counted 30 on one particular day, but Ian, the, the numbers are actually quite a bit more than that, isn't it? Yeah. So so the the commercial airline flights, I guess, belie the fact that there, because it's the World Cup, there are also a large number of private aviation flights. So, so just sticking with commercial flights for a moment, from Dubai World Center, to both Doha airports. You've got Fly Dubai operating on the 21st of November. They operated 27 flights over to Doha. Jeez. So so just one way. This this is not this is not, you know, back and forth. This is just one way. So 27 flights on the 21st and then yesterday the 22nd they operated 30 flights. So more than an hourly shuttle. And then you've got and th- and this is just Dubai World Center. This is not both Dubai airports. Those numbers are even more astronomical. But then you have Qatar going 15 flights on the 21st and then 19 flights on the uh, the 22nd. And as you mentioned, these are large aircraft. I mean, the, the flight Dubai are 737s. 
but the the Qatar Airways flights are are large wide body aircraft operating a roughly you know forty minute flight. So lots and lots of of aviation and, and transport moving through. One hundred and seven total flights over uh, the past week from over the past few weeks from Dubai World Center to both Doha airports and forty three to uh, or from D- to DIA and then. 43 to to Doha uh, Hamad. So I mean that's lots wild. and lots of a huge increase in flights. So we'll we'll see how that goes over the next couple of weeks throughout the World Cup, but uh something to keep an eye on if if you're following uh, a bit of uh the aviation angle. To, yeah, maybe at the end the, of the World Cup we'll give you a, a total number of flights between Doha yeah, and we can do Dubai that. at the end because it's going to be a, a number that makes me upset, I think. I, I mean, you know, at this point we're we're running hourly shuttles, so it's you know more so. They used to actually run an hourly shuttle between yeah. Doha and Dubai, where much like today they would throw any available aircraft that could do you know a, a two hour turn. But this is even more than that. It, it's wild. Not not a good thing, by the way. I, I don't like this is happening. I'm just particularly interested by it. If if only there was some sort of mode of transportation that could carry a lot of people a slightly longer distance. Perhaps a two pieces of steel that you could put on, maybe call it a track or something. Nah, you're talking crazy. All right, we'll figure it out for next week. Can't be done. I hope everyone enjoyed the trivia game. We're going to keep refining it and, and hopefully um, get as many people as we can to play it because it'll be fun. Hopefully, we can do some special episodes of the trivia game elsewhere, starting to, to plot that a little in, in my head and uh, find out where we can go and what we can do. And then we'll be back next week after uh, after the Thanksgiving break for another episode and hopefully another game. So thank you all so very much for listening to episode 191. If you're in the US or, or celebrating just because, happy Thanksgiving. We hope you have a, a wonderful week and we'll see you next time. I am Ian Pechnik here as always with Jason Rabinowitz. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.